Tell me Coco Tell me Coco <laughs> Welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, a.k.a. Colette Prosper. I am a comedy writer and filmmaker on this show. We talk about everything. But on this uh, episode, which is like the penultimate episode before my winter hiatus, um, I am uh, interviewing... John Mossman, who is a filmmaker, writer, actor, uh, also uh, is a teacher at Second City. So he has a comedy background, um, but this movie that we're going to be talking about, Good Guy with a Gun, is a total drama. It's it's super dramatic. There are some funny elements, uh, and he uses... um, There's there's some some really uh, beautiful, like, levity... Uh, moments um, but it is a drama and it's about uh, a young boy who um, who becomes part of uh, a small community that is uh, steeped in gun culture and so it, it has a lot to do with um, just uh, just people feeling isolated and feeling like uh, they need to be a part of something so it's it's a, it's a really good movie it reminded me a lot of like classic 80 80s movies like um, at close range and over the edge with Matt Dillon. And uh, I mentioned another movie with Keanu Reeves, River's Edge, everything edge. Uh, but this movie does not have the, the title edge in it. But uh, but there is that edge quality, if you will. So check it out. Um, it's doing the festival circuit and eventually it will be uh, become available. So uh, I'll definitely let you know. In the meantime, if you like the show, give it five stars on apple give it a review on spotify whatever uh it it will be appreciated and it's how you can help people to find the show so this week it's just my chat with john mossman and no games no sketch just a chat between two strangers and uh it's like the real world let's see what happens when two strangers um get together and and have a chat so we talked, it was like deep into uh, the the days just before Christmas. Uh, and so we're going to be talking a little bit about Christmas. How was your Christmas? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, happy Kwanzaa. Happy uh, Hanukkah has passed also. So anyway, uh, we're going to get into my, my chat with him. And uh, just a warning that there is going to be talk about Christmas. So uh just a heads up if you want to um, go a little a little forward um, in our chat, but whatever. We're talking about Christmas ornaments. It's it's not a big deal. Okay, so here it is, John Mossman. And we're back. Awesome. Let's get into my talk with writer, director, actor, John Mossman. Hey, John. Hi, Colette. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? I'm great. Awesome. John, audio problems solved. You must be so sick of dealing with that. No, it's fine. This is uh, this is what happens. This is the magic of uh, podcasting. There's yeah. there's always sound issues. So we're but we're here. We're talking. It's almost Christmas. I saw that you have your Christmas tree up. We don't I have do. our Christmas Check tree up yet. Out. Yeah, that's awesome. Really yeah. lovely tree. Beautiful. Um, it seems like you um, you take a lot of because uh, like we we have some old ornaments that we put up, but like. Um, I don't know. You 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 seem like you've trimmed the tree with care. Basically, is that is that a thing for you? 
Yeah, like how old are your Yeah, how old are your how old are some of your your ornaments? Like what year would you put those? Pre-60s oh, okay. or pre-70s? Ooh, um <laughs> I would say pre-2000. Um not Oh my not, god, like, no. I yeah, pre pre twenty tens. Um, I like not not very. Um, we have I got, some. I got a couple that I think like, like predate me. Wow, that's amazing. So like heirlooms. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like like from my before they even had me. Yeah, my parents. Wow, started, like, wow. We started signing, assigning. Yeah, assigning those things to us. Oh sweet. My um my in-laws they keep their ornaments. Um they have ornaments uh like you from way back when, like even before they were born or when they were born, and they basically just like wrap it up in newspaper and then they put it in a box and then every year they bring it out and then we decorate their tree. So are you storing these ornaments? We don't have to talk too much about ornaments, but like, are you? No, no, but no. I'm, ornaments I am have curious. become a huge part of my life. Yeah. It's like my wife has, like, we have no business at this point climbing around in this tiny attic yeah. to get uh, 700 pounds of, of decorations, but we refuse to let it go, especially she does. Yeah. So yeah, the whole house is insane with with decorations. She's known uh, known largely as the queen of Christmas, like nice. throughout seven states. And so seven yeah, she states. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> She's got a, quite the reputation. Yeah, she does. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're kind of big into Christmas around here, and I kind of always was. And uh, but yeah, she she puts me to shame. Sweet. So does is your house lit up and you can see it from a block away? It used to be, but you know what's happened is that there are a lot of deer um in our house and they mm. are around our house and they eat all our bushes. And oh. when they eat our bushes, they eat all our lights. So we decided we were gonna try and go save we were the deer. Try and go like very yeah, we we're gonna try and go like very um uh sort of environmentally friendly yeah and and um and just have like leds these expensive little led lights and then all the all the the deer just came and found them exceedingly interesting oh and goodness. uh easy to eat through so they we like have no lights pretty things crazy. yeah like we walk out i got a dog my old dog she's she's an old dog she's awesome uh -huh. but like she walks out and she's made friends with them back in the day she'd chase them away and now they just look at it she's like what's up and they're like we're eating your we're eating your bushes <laughs> oh yeah we're eating so yeah they have this kind of like mutual uh pact like you know yeah. i stand out of your yeah, way like you stand on mine yeah 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 wow yeah, it's like a professional like yeah agreement nice okay so this also kind of relates to your movie in a way the idea of like um clan like clannish sort of behavior like you know this is my group that's your group and not, not neither uh the twain shall meet whatever the expression is um so you just to um give uh, people an idea you are an award-winning filmmaker you um your uh awards uh your award-winning films include the acclaimed feature Into the Wake, um, your winner of the Industry Choice Award at Dances with Films, your latest film, Good Guy with a Gun, premiered early December. It's a rural noir thriller following a boy and his mother's arrival into a small town where their fractured relationship is widened by his deepening journey into gun culture. So I wanna talk to you about this movie um, I liked Great it a Christmas lot. Movie. It's it, a wonderful, it? heart, heartfelt. <laughs> Such a heartfelt Christmas movie. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, Lindsay Lohan, like, she missed out. Like, she, she her big yeah. comeback was the Christmas movie on Netflix, but, like. She could have done this. She could have done Good Guy with a Gun. And, <laughs> like, what, she, what was she thinking? So. I don't know. Yeah. But I really liked it. Um, it. It reminded me a lot of like uh, like eighties movies like At Close Range, um, Over the Edge, River's Edge, 
with Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. Um, also a yeah, little yeah. bit of like Boys Don't Cry, and then um, it gave me also the the um little hints of like Gus Van Zant movies, like Drugstore Cowboy. Yeah. So I wonder, like, um, what were your influences? Purpose. Yeah, like, yeah, these are um these are movies that I that were always on HBO. I always watched them or like IFC Channel. So like, what what were your influences? And then also, um. What was the spark that led you to this project? Well, I think for my influences, you know, <clears throat> I think for, for this one, um, I think some of the influences in, in filmically, I'm always influenced by um, ah, like some of the best thrillers that I've seen. Mm -hmm. I think like ah, David Lynch is, is always sort of there because he's he's all about dreams and dream state. Yeah. Um, but, but really, you know, deliverance and it's not because of like squeal, like a pig and all that other weird <laughs> crap that is, we all associate with that. I've but never seen deliverance. Of, I have to. Oh, you have to. Yeah. You have to see that. It's so good. But what's really good is at the end, there is this sense that you cannot walk away from what you did. Even if those people deserved it, it there is always something that's going to uh, be following you wow. that might pop up, that might float to the surface. And that's sort of the end of Deliverance. And that's really what this is about. But, but in that movie, they're kind of like completely innocent. Like mm -hmm. they just try to cover up something that they were complete victims of in this movie, as you know, like some people make some pretty bad choices. And yeah. I felt like one of my major influences and influences in this was, um, was just the path of the Republican party. Yeah. So filmically I sort of took like, Oh, deliverance, like watch where you are, you know, like there's always something following you. And then mm, the, the Republican party, which was sort of like, <clears throat> Look who you walk down a path with. That stain is not going to wash off you. And so there's an element of that to, to this because I, I, I made this movie after the inauguration. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> January 6th. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a whole other movie that I'd written that I was very pleased with. It was like it was a comedy. It was like Kubrick meets Coen Brothers, a wacky sort of chase and all that. Yeah. But um, – but this just kind of um, changed my trajectory. So I had to do something. And I know a lot of my friends and um, investors were kind of like, what? we need to say something different right now. And, and mm -hmm. as a gun owner and as an um, outdoorsman, I found myself always feeling like I was associated with a really distasteful, increasingly distasteful group right. of people. Yeah. Right? Like, like what's happening to these. And so, um, so I had to make something about that. And so I think I, I made something about that. So where were you on January 6th? I know that that's... Like, oh, where were you? Like, do you remember? Like in I front was... of a TV going, what the hell? Uh, yeah, it was insane. I, um, that day I ended up having to go to my son's school for some reason. There was something going on at his elementary school. And at the same time, I think I had a therapy appointment. My family's from Haiti. So political uprisings are pretty common. Um, and yeah, so a lot of what I saw, I was like, and I grew up in New Jersey, <clears throat> but I just growing up and knowing about um, the political climate in Haiti, like I was like, wow, this is like textbook coup d'état. What's happening? This is this is a te oh. classic textbook. Like they're gonna storm the, you know, you storm the castle, you storm the the uh, whatever the federal building, and then you you drag out the leader. This is what this is what happens. But of course, you know, because it's America, it's a uh, you know we we have some systems in place, and thank God. Um, I mean, not to give Pence any real credit, but like, <clears throat> thankfully, um, he wasn't um, down with the, the whole thing. And, and, so, and somehow it stopped. It stopped short yeah. of, of, of actually being the mission was not completed due to certain people and, and certain systems that were in place. But like if this was Haiti, the, we would ha there would have been another, you know, uh, person put in place and whatever um anyway 
So I remember yeah. uh, I was in between like going to my son's uh, school and then I'm talking to my therapist and I'm just like, this is like Haiti. And, and she's just like, uh, you know, why don't you <clears throat> calm down? Um, so <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that people didn't realize how explosive uh, this was, this moment was. Yeah, I, I find like, I was shocked that even months later we would be watching the hearings and I'd be sitting next to someone, one of, just, just one of my friends or something. And we'd watch. And then and you live the, out in Chicago. Cause you work at second yeah. city also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Chicago. Okay. And just the, the residual just, it's just astonishment and anger that this could have happened. It wasn't just like this odd thing that happened. Yeah. It's an offense. It 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 is dangerous yeah. and it cuts you to your core. Yeah. It is like a shredding of of the constitution. Yeah. And you realize how much you value parts of your country and that they were were shredding it. Yeah. And um and, and, and I was I was really taken by how long it took for people to heal around this. Mm -hmm. And and then you started seeing some of the footage mm -hmm. and we can't forget it. We cannot forget what what that was. And that stain should not be washed off anybody that supported that. Anybody that tries to change the narrative of that, of being something that is in any way heroic. It wasn't right. And we're seeing that happen. And so it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, you know, I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to talk about that. <laughs> and I'm happy to talk about myself as like, a, good times. You know, what I would consider a, a moderate person and a gun owner, but, but because the 50 yard line has been, has been moved so yeah. far. Right. Like I am, I'm a radical leftist. I am anti gun. You're a libtard. I'm, I'm a freaking libtard of the, of the worst order because I actually own guns and I speak out against them. So I'm like, I'm probably first on the assassination chart, you know? OMG. OMG. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Hope, hope not. We hope don't not. That. Yeah. We don't want Let's that. Let's just pretend that's not. But yeah. They, yeah it's, I've, I've, been, I've, uh, I've created a lot of uh, like agitation with some of my, some of my uh, fellow gun owners that that don't like me talking about like gun gun control. Yeah, because so, we yeah. need it. They don't like they don't like when you yeah they don't like when you uh, separate from the pack. You know, and there's that whole sort of theory about that is it's a bit cultish. You know, it's yeah. Like, Going back to the deer, to the deer and the dog. You know, you stay in your lane. <laughs> Let me eat the like, let me eat the lights. Let me eat the Christmas lights, and yeah. you just keep moving along, little doggy, while I eat your Christmas lights. Um, yeah. But it's like, no, you can't eat Christmas lights. Like it'll kill you, and you're taking away Christmas. Like you know, <laughs> you're, killing, you're killing Christmas. So anyway, you're hurting baby Jesus. You're hurting yeah. Jesus. Oh my God. So, yes, all of these, all of these things, um, you know, it all relates to your movie. Um, it's funny, funny enough. So, you know, we're, we're um, coming on to, I guess the, the anniversary is coming up. And I was at yeah. uh, AAA recently and I was doing like some DMV stuff and I'm online and I hear behind me this guy just talking and he's, of course, talking at a, a level where he wants to be heard yeah and of this was around the time of um of the hearings because the, the i think the last bit of hearings ended i want to say in like november or something like that i don't remember exactly um but this this past fall so there was some hearings anyway this man was just like oh you know they didn't find anything and no one died why, you know, why was this uh, such a problem? It was it, like basically saying that the whole the hearings were a waste of time. So people are still talking about it. And just like you said, people, a lot of people have not healed from this and they won't even uh, you have all of these like, you know, Trump election deniers and, you know, Carrie Lake is still fighting her um, her defeat in Arizona and she um, has had some 
legal wins here and there, like where they can investigate different uh, voters and, and whatever. Anyway, the, it's just the 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 story continues with this yeah. um, is my point. And so so that brings me to your movie, which is a, a slice of life narrative like it, it, it doesn't talk about Jan six, but it features people who probably might have been there or knew about people who were there or were rooting the people who were there Correct. on. Um, and, it, and it does a really good job of managing um, filmmaking with entertainment value and then social impact. So I want to talk to you about like the seed, like what was the seed that that sparked this idea? I know I know it was Jan 6, but like and I know that you were working on something else that was more sort of like whimsical. Um, but what was it where you thought, okay, a boy uh, or a teenager, his mom, the father is killed, and then um, they're going to the grandfather's house? Like, what, what, like the actual like story itself? Like, what was the the seed behind that? Well, one of the things that that happened now is that uh, my buddy uh, Joe Swanberg was in this, and so I was hanging out at his place is another filmmaker and mm -hmm. talking to um a mutual friend there and he said we were talking about it and he said something like ignore young men at your peril mm -hmm. and i thought well what is what is happening to our young men how how does someone go from a normal person to that crazy person that we all saw yeah. that thinks they're a patriot? Like and Kyle you know, house. Exactly. Yeah. That had happened right in my neighborhood. Yeah. Right in my neighborhood of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And um and so it was sort of on the on the heels of that. And so mm -hmm. I started to um to think about that and what what's at the core of that? That's like fear. Uh there's a lot of fear. There's anger and insecurity. There's a lot of masculinity issues that are out there right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, that was something that I really felt uh, still have a lot of anger around because of sort of false masculinity that causes men to be kind of like unnecessarily brutal mm -hmm. in a really insecure way. And you can see it. They're not, they're not manly. They're really mm -hmm. chicken shit, you know, well, yeah. but they are. They are trying so hard to assert a masculinity that is not inherent to them. So they're making up for it with like caliber. It's and 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 belonging to some twisted sort of weird, growingly fascist group. Mm -hmm. So as I'm like trying to figure out how does it happen that someone I might have grown up with, when does it happen that 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 that, that jump happened? Yeah, that disconnect where you're hanging with people. You're like, you're having fun. You're like shooting BBs at a target. Or it's like, that's not that much far off, you know, that far off from like hitting a tree with a snowball or your buddy with a snowball or, you know, an acorn. Like you're just having fun. Right. And then this sickness happens, this gun worship happens, and this cult-like uh, behavior happens. And who who helps make that happen? And... And I started thinking back like I'm old enough to think back on the Republican Party of 1970. Mm -hmm. And and this this film really is sort of it's I'm a I'm a progressive. I'm, I'm a Democrat. Um, as much as I hate labels, that's what I am. Mm -hmm. And but I was raised in a Republican like a Republican household of the 1970s. But mm -hmm. in that household, the EPA was a good thing. Yeah, because this the is social... like Nixon or Ford. Yeah period uh-huh right social like being socially liberal like who cared about gay people right. nobody gave a damn like that wasn't part of the obsession and when you saw the religious weirdos start to rise up i remember my republican dad would be like uh well Fallen. they're gonna yeah we can kind of control them problem was they couldn't they couldn't. And that started building. And around the Branch Davidian thing, Colette, we saw we saw the NRA start to defend religious cults that wanted to create their own society. Mm 
And that's when you saw the old school Republicans like George W. Bush, H.W. Bush, yes. tear up his NRA card and go, this is bullshit. Right. There should this, you guys are awful. Do not use this kind of language. Because as soon as they use this language, you know what happened? Oklahoma City bombing happened. And he blamed them for that. And they said, we have nothing to do. How could you possibly suggest oh that our fundraising has and our and our language has anything to do with the you know radicalism of you know the far right well he's like it does and george bush senior like he tore up his card right and, so and then he dad. only served one term and then he's out right yeah right because a new time was coming of of hate and uh cultism and so i i sort of wrote this as even as a Democrat, I wrote this from the perspective of sort of old old school Republicanism, um, because I felt like that was one thing that we would it would be hard for the right to have an argument with. Yeah, um, I certainly find it like hard to imagine in my movie how someone could have an argument with what I say in it. But I found people see different things in it, so that's becoming interesting. Well, I didn't feel like there was any sort of judgment i felt like uh there was an openness to this community of um you know let's just say like uh i don't know do should i say small-minded people just people who, who think in a in a very um insular way uh so you have you have this community um this son and his mom they go to um to uh clean up the grandfather's house they're going to sell it and and then they become sort of mixed up with the the people in the community the mom starts hooking up with the the neighbor across the street the son becomes close <clears throat> with that neighbor's son and then he becomes part of a group he's already feeling lonely and um and he's feeling isolated his father dies tragically in uh through gun violence so he's feeling some type of way he meets this group um they're doing this like circle uh moment with the kind of fake like asshole pastor-esque guy who's got my back i've got your back and like he's feeling he's feeling part of a brotherhood which is essentially yeah. how they get you you know yeah. you, you you feel like you're a part of something and right. then, I mean, it's like you can, you know, you can think about any gang or any, um, you know, any clan that the, you're you're accepted into this group and and welcomed and and you feel less lonely. So so this is um, so I, I liked how you set that up. I, I didn't feel like you were judging them for for their beliefs, um, and it was just very sort of like an open um, uh, sort of uh, presentation. Like, how did? How did you find the actors? Oh my god. Are they lo was... are they locals? Yeah, they are. Um I found my actors some of them I just I just sort of wrote for um like on the every, fly every, like you were like I I got a role not, for you. Like I wrote it but then I started thinking like who could play this role? So like the first one like I hunt. And so one of the guys, God, he was a former student at second city and he plays a comedian. Audience. Yeah. He was, he's a, Oh my God. He's one of the funniest guys. I know he's a young guy. And I, and I wrote the role of Augie for him. The guy that kind of speaks some of the, some of the sensible stuff, like, you know, guns aren't ever going to go away, but if you, you know, yeah, I don't want to hurt anybody, but you know, when the shit goes down, don't you want one that got, you know, yeah. Kind of, and so I wrote that for him because it's kind of who he is. He's just a really sensible guy. And we, he's taught me how to, he's taught me how to bow hunt mm -hmm. and um, he's a really reasonable kind of, kind of gun owner. And then, and then, you know, the guy who I f played Cade, uh, sort of the, 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 the bad guy's kid. Okay. It was, yeah. Do you remember who that is? He's got yeah. the AR. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting because I asked him in the reading to play the re the lead and he said, I don't want to play that guy. And I was like, why, why not? The lead, I Jonah? Just, I, and, um, Will. Oh, the son. He, yeah. I was just wow. trying to do a read and I just knew that he was purported to be a new guy out of Columbia College who was highly touted as a good actor. Mm -hmm. And so he, he didn't want to read the lead. He wanted to read Cade because he found Cade, the young, soon to be white supremacist, uh, the most tragic character. Yeah. 
And I thought he did a really good job of that. And he basically just chose his role after I saw him do that read. I was like, oh, bring whoever you want in to read for this. It's going to be hard to beat this guy. And of course, that's you know who ended up. Um, I wrote a role for my wife who sort of like repeats the words of someone that we knew that was actually a really decent sort of religious person um, early on. And she has sort of this prophecy, she says, um, and she was the yeah, one that said, "Oh, oh, you're you're so and so's son, and yeah, you, you know how? What do you? What's your uh, religion? Like, like do you do you accept Jesus yeah, in your life? Of, oh, that's yeah. your wife. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, yeah, and just a little <laughs> bit of that religion kind of injected. Yeah. But then she says something really good, which was like, "Oh, yeah, you're you just." You know, religion gives you something like, oh, you like chemistry. Chemistry is all about transformation. Well, religious gives uh, religion gives you something that's the most universal desire of man. And he's like, what's that? She goes, the desire to be transformed. Wow. And um, and that was something that I had heard from someone that I met when I lived in L.A. It was really important sort of thing exchange with the person I respected mm -hmm. and yeah so and then and then um you know I, I I I cast someone in the role of like Noreen who was the sort of right-wing shooter who got in the argument with him who I knew was sort of like a right-winger who really hated those guys yeah and who had been raised around guns yeah you know? but it was so like, I never voted Democrat in my life exactly never voted Democrat in yeah. my life don't know what you are. You're not a Republican, right? And that's the whole voice that's out there that no one's got the balls to say right now. So I gave it to her to say. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so a lot of these are just people who's like, a lot of them just my voice, but a lot of it is also the voices of the people that I know that are around me. And they're just not the loudest voices that are out there, but they're, I think, maybe the majority of voices, uh, as I hear it, I think, most of us are have a lot more in common in every way, but the gun debate, the first of all, phrasing it as a debate seems to indicate a winner and a loser, and it's an invitation to fight as opposed to an inv invitation to um, just like have a discussion, you know? Right, because it doesn't seem like there there's any sort of like resolution in the terms of like this person was right this person was wrong because something happens that gets very messy and you, no one is right and yeah and and it's it's just kind of left like that but i, I also yeah. want to talk to you about your directing style because i really loved your choices because you know it is a low budget film um but it the cinematography is beautiful and yeah the very tight shots. So I don't know if that's like a David Lynch thing, um, but everything is like very tight. So you have- On the um, faces? On the faces. Um, yeah, there's the like moment. Um, and, and then I don't know if you use like handheld uh, footage, like, cause there's this moment where they're getting, I guess, into Augie's uh, pickup truck. And there's a, a tight, um, but it's like a kind of like a medium shot of the, the uh jonah and will um about to jump onto the pickup truck and it, i don't know if that was like handheld but it was a very like tight shot um and then when he's having the when will's having the confrontation with the mom it's very like i don't know now i'm, I'm saying another person cassavetes like it's very like tight where like the the mom is like sh screaming um because she's not he's not listening they're not they're not connecting anymore and so so i i wanted i want to know what the motivation was behind like all the tight shots was it for budget was it for impact was it both those are really good those are such good observations like the cassavetti's reference is really great because that was what that uh, that's what that scene was like i had two cameras going and i was like we're going to do this scene three times yeah. And just lock in on their faces and keep them in focus and let them do it three times. And we're going to reset and there's going to be no lighting changes. There's going to be nothing. And we had two cameras going, like come down to the scene, go back, maybe 20 second break where I gave them direction. And they come yeah. down and they're already emotionally revved up. And by the third time they were a mess. And so that whole scene that you're talking about, yeah, it was like I wanted it tight. 
Um, I love faces. It's partly budget because um, I always, I don't know, I just like portraiture. I like faces. Yeah. And and sometimes the tighter you are on the face, the less you have to worry about the background. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. But you need a really good focus puller, you know. And man, you know, Lou and, and Gary were fantastic. Our focus pullers by that point, they had been put through the ringer. And so they're trying to, you know, pull focus on all this movement that's going on and they did a pretty good job you know and so we were able to use all those scenes <clears throat> but yeah that was partly that was just uh i didn't what's that noise uh -oh. there's music oh okay. um, but, <laughs> and somewhere from You're my gonna have tree, to get your gun um, but i think i think, so, I think the uh, i think a lot of the choices around that were just were just centric to to just um, performance. Mm -hmm. And, and then a lot of the others, I just think, I just, I just love portraiture. I just love people's faces. I love people. I like to, we're the most interesting thing I've ever witnessed. Yeah. Uh, I like watching people. My brother's a biologist. And so I realized I was raised kind of in a society of biologists and scientists. And I'm the one like, that's really obsessed with the human animal. My brother once said to me, who is a, is a really good sort of like researcher of, mm -hmm. of animals. He said, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in the woods uh, observing animals and organisms interacting with each other and their environment, uh, trying to figure out what it is that makes them who they are. And when I'm in your theater, I feel like I'm doing that with my own species. And wow. for me, Kind of like what I'm trying to do is trying to figure out who we are. So I'm looking for the smallest cues of like, what, what, what is that? And, and so I like to give people lately, I, I guess I've grown to this is to give people um, quick direction and let them own each take with a bit of direction and, and not over direct and yeah. kind of um, let go of my more control freak sort of inclinations like this is exactly what i want like when i think back on like oh i got exactly what i wanted what a shame yeah <laughs> like why did you come back i might as well have made something animated but you were open so, that's why you weren't yeah. you didn't have a lot of there was an expectation that you'd have a good scene but i think that you also probably trusted who you casted yeah and you had yeah, a good Tiffany feeling. Yeah. Mother was she was just great. Wonderful. She's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want a great actor in Chicago, just write a role for a 40, 40 year old or older woman. And you're, you just got great actors everywhere. Cause there's just not enough roles for them. Right. So yeah, I, that was a, like, she killed it. I thought. Yeah. She was really good. Uh, I liked Will also. I don't yeah. know if Will he's is um, like an LA guy or if he if he's uh, also a Chicago person. He's a singer. A guy. Yeah. Oh, the kid, the her son. Yeah, I know he's Chicago. It's a funny story. I was like looking for the kid, looking for the kid. Couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. Finally, my agent, my own agent's like, we got somebody who you should see. I saw him and I was like, oh my god, I need to meet this guy. So he read, and then I called him. I was like, we need to meet right now. Because I need to cast you, but I need to meet you in person. Yeah. <laughs> and, in, and in retrospect, he was saying, he was like, literally, after that audition, he was just, <laughs> he was sparking up a joint. Just like, oh, yeah. that was rough. Oh, God, I got to meet him now. So, yeah. <laughs> so we went down well, yeah, and met Starbucks. Because there was something like hip about him, like kind of big city hip about him with like the fluffy hair. But then also <clears throat> he could fit in. He could blend in in like a small town, like corn fed sort of scene. Yeah. So so he could he could he could play both sides of the fence. So I, I thought that yeah. that was a good cast, uh, a good a good oh, person, good. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, so so, yeah, directing style. Um, we we talked about um, the performances. Um, who would you think um, is like the audience for this film? Like I I liked it. I'm I'm definitely not part of gun gun culture, but I liked it for 
what I connected to was the the family aspect, um, the loneliness aspect um, that, you know, he he was looking to belong somewhere. Um, so who for you did were you thinking about an audience? Because, uh, you know, again, yeah. having to do with like the social impact of the story, you know, who do you want to reach? Um, you know, with this, with this story. It's so sweet to me that you mention like the loneliness quality. Cause I think I didn't actually think about that until now. There's like a good dose of loneliness in this. Like it's a huge dose of loneliness. Yeah. All those, all show. those Jan six people are very lonely people. <laughs> all I was breaking all my heart. <laughs> well, yeah, everyone is lonely. Yeah, Go on. I, I didn't, I'm just like, yeah, sometimes you see something or someone says something you're like, oh shit, I really did that, didn't I? Um, so yeah, a lot of it is about loneliness now that you say that. And that's funny because you realize something about yourself when someone makes that observation mm -hmm. um, that you didn't realize. It's uh, That's one of the interesting things about making movies that people watch them, they point things out that you're like, oh, I guess I did do that. Um, when I started it out, I thought, oh, yeah, I want to make a movie that people will want to see. Anyone who likes guns and hates guns mm -hmm. would want to see. And so there was something sort of sensational or provocative about it. But I think really in the middle, the people that are going to enjoy it are probably people like you. Yeah. The people. A libtard. <laughs> hate guns. Yes. Us libtards <laughs> that like that us libtards that really like gray area and nuance and understanding of like the the dark and light sides of people and and uh, and how we have to dig ourselves out of, you know, dark places sometimes and how we're tempted to go down roads that, you know, from loneliness and from uh, fear and anger and all the things that we all experience, but sort of, you know, appeal to the darker angels of our nature. Um, and, you know, you have to decide, are you going to, are you going to answer to the better angels? And I think that's sort of the question with Willis is what's he going to answer to? And, and I think he does answer to the right things for me, but it's, there's, an, it's at such a cost. I don't know how you feel, but for me, he's paid a price for some of his choices. Oh, for sure. But then at the same time, he kind of gets away with it. <laughs> kind of. Like it's in his I'm mind. Not like quite sure that he's going to get away. I, in my opinion. So you think you think um, if there was like a part two, good guy with the gun, part two. <laughs> that um, body's <laughs> bo body is found, and somebody's going to prison. Yeah, so some body gets found. Body. <laughs> get found you know or something yeah i think the body gets found wow well it's yeah, my yeah especially the the last shot again super tight shot um really awesome him in the rear view just like kind of looking at himself and you know that like you know his mom defend is defended him uh yeah. not even <clears throat> like she didn't even ask him like did you do this or not she just already was just on his side. They're yeah. going, driving home in the Mustang, heading back to Chicago. And he's just like looking at himself in the rear view. And to me, I was just like, okay, well, he, you know, he's, he's got away with it scot-free. No one's going to question it because that guy's like a super bad guy. Um, I mean, definitely he had... Uh, he had people that relied on him and, and that uh, are probably looking for him. But then that other guy that was looking for him also died. So I don't know. I was just <laughs> like, I was like, was happy me. ending? Christmas yeah, ending? Was, Christmas miracle? That 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 bad guy who dies at the end, who's, who meets him in the woods? Yeah. Riggs, he was very like James me. Cameron. That was you? Yeah, it was me. Oh, I didn't know. got him at the end? That's me. Yeah. Oh my God. Good death scene. <laughs> He's, I mean, yeah, I, I died pretty. Yeah, I gave myself a messed up death. I had to chase him. Yeah, it was me. Were you hard on yourself when you, when you were directing yourself, or you were just like, oh my God, I gave myself one take and I was like, I suck. We're done. I'm cutting this shit. I suck. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and and people are like, oh no. my god, I need the scene. I need the words in the scene. And my DP was like, you need this scene. You need to actually have this scene. So I, I kept myself. I am hard. I, I would have cut that if, except for like wiser voices. Um, yeah, but it was fun to chase them and do all that. And, um, you know, it was really get, good. You know, I, I used to do a lot of that. So it's maybe my last chance to do stunts and action. So. so were you doing stunts in L.A.? No, mostly in Chicago. I'm basically I would consider myself an actor combatant, which is like a common kind of thing here. I I was I started in college, like I started in the circus in Baraboo. So a actor combatant. Pretty, yeah, it's a common term here. It's like I'm really good at swords and tumbling. I've done like 18 minute fights wow. like on stage 40 times, and you know, in a, in a run. And it's not all that uncommon. Like you just got to make sure you don't hurt yourself. But I've like hung from chandeliers and grabbed a guy with my legs and, and been thrown 15 feet. And like, you just wow. got to make sure you don't hurt yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, um, but I started in the circus and, um, and I fenced in college. And so, um, that kind of leads itself into like, you start to find work based just on the fact that you can get your ass kicked by Patrick, Patrick Swayze or something, you know, or you can, you know, fence and, and uh, not get hurt or hurt someone yeah. else. So that's started. You know, my, my husband's a musician. He did a performance of um, there was like a silent movie screening. It was a Douglas Fairbanks movie. And the action sequences were amazing. They're he was, amazing. He they're, was phenomenal. He was amazing. They're phenomenal. Yes. Fairbanks, those those sequences are great. They're not cut. They are so respected because it's not a bunch of like quick cut, quick cut, and all that. They yeah. are standard sword fights that are amazing. And yeah, he's fearless. He's fearless, yep. and he would. He'll jump off balconies. Yeah, yes. just incredible. Yes, Her Harold Lloyd, Douglas Fairbanks, with a Fairbanks, smile on his guys. face. Yeah, it was, it was those are the guys I love. So that's what I wanted to be, and so I got to do a lot of it. But um, I'm kind of paying for some of it now, and <laughs> with <laughs> like, like your knees or something, or yeah, it's my spine. It's like I went to a doctor last week, and he's like, "This, this you're going to be fine. You just need four discs replaced in nine oh. months in the next brace, and it'll be great." <laughs> Oh, that's so sure that's what I want to do. Yeah, no, my one of my friends did that. Um, she had a, a like a disclo uh, dislocated disc, and that she she had to get it like shifted. She was in her twenties at the time, um, and she's fine. She's fine now. So, see, that's yes, that makes me very happy to hear. Yeah, that's yeah. So yeah, if you if you if you so decide to to do that, but okay, this is incredible. So, um, you know, you are a responsible gun owner. Um, your producer is a gun control activist, um, former uh, military guy who's actually been in battle, knows what it is to be shot at or shoot at someone. Yeah. So, thinking about the movie Rust, so I don't know if you were filming around the same time as uh, yeah. the Alec Baldwin movie. And so, you know, the, the rules governing how guns are used in, on film and television sets, they're still being revised in the wake of um, the cinematographer's untimely death. Um, how, what was it like for you on set? Um, because it is, it, it, it's not a, I, I imagine that like, cause like Mirror of Eastwood, HBO Money, they were able to do CGI gun, you know, shoot them up. Um, I've interviewed people where, um, like in music videos where they've had guns and yeah, they just have the real thing. So what, what did you have on set? What were the rules? And of course, because you have this producer that has a military background. I'm sure you had other, other people too, uh, working with you and then also yourself, um, you know, having experience with guns. So like, how do you negotiate all of that? How do you? figure that out and especially you're working with actors who might not be comfortable with guns or or yeah. as as experienced as you so i hired as many people that i knew that had experience with guns that had maybe been at, on a gun range that weren't terrified mm -hmm. of them um 
the people that handled guns, a good chunk of them had already sort of like sort of had a, a relationship with them, which was an interesting thing because almost everybody in that crew and on that set unsolicited talked to me at some point about their relationship with guns. It was, mm -hmm. it was so unexpected. Like, oh yeah, I grew up around guns. I've shot 20 guns. I've never owned one. Everyone just had one. Or, you know what? My dad was a normal guy. And then this is one of the cast members. And then suddenly he just started collecting guns around the time of Trump. Oh. And now he's got guns and so, like everything you could possibly imagine so um so there was there was so much talk about people's relationship with guns and a lot of respect around different feelings about guns and how you felt about them i have a real antipathy for pistols I was told, I can't, it's really just hard for me to even say the word. Uh, I was told in early age, there's only one reason for a pistol and it's for killing another person. And so, um, you know, that was my dad's, my dad's training for me. Yeah. So I have my own biases about that. Um, but it was, it was really interesting when we got out on, um, on set, mm -hmm. but a month before we started shooting, we went out with our armorer, Matt, who is great. And he's like, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to learn how to shoot all these guns with blanks safely. Mm -hmm. And we went out and we tried every single gun. They had blanks. All the actors. Yeah, all the actors went out. We tried. It was like, it was fun. And everybody loves going to a, a range. I mean, I, I take people to my uh, archery range. Everyone loves just like trying to hit something. Yeah, but there, it's really scary actually when you're around something that has uh, gunpowder. Yeah, and that kind of report and things like misfire a little bit, or maybe it shoots. And these aren't even shooting live rounds, but maybe something shoots and you know flame comes out. It's it can kill you. It started with John Eric Hexum, I think, and and uh, uh, Brandon Lee and the Crow. I'm like people are getting right. killed by guns just right. accidentally. Right, and, and that, so, that's what well, happened to the Rust uh, cinematographer too. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's just it's and and so we went out there expecting that we'd be using live rounds and and kind of treating things with that respect, and then maybe ten or fourteen days before we shot, we were told that our insurance would not cover um, live rounds, and I went, "Oh my God! Well, how are we going to handle this? You know, like how do we pretend like we are actually shooting a bump stock and an AR-15?" Or, or something like that without an actual, you know, actual, you know, reaction yeah. uh, that a person can react to and with the shells shooting out in, in the flames. Turns out none of that was important. I doubt very much that anyone who watches our movie will notice something different. They're like, I think that it's just not necessary. There are so many people coming out of film school right now, Colette, who can just jump right in there and throw muzzle flash and and um, shells ex like exiting from a gun so easily that there's like no reason. And we're so low budget. Mm -hmm. And if we can afford it, anyone can afford it. You just don't need it anymore. You just don't need those live rounds and whatever the hell happened there with someone actually having a live like bullet. I, I don't know what happened, but um, yeah, no, uh, it was an insane story. Yeah. It's such an insane story. And I, and I, and I, I feel bad for every single person. I don't lay any blame on anyone. Film sets are, are chaotic and um, guns are dangerous no matter what they're shooting, whether it's a blank or, <clears throat> you know, so I'm all for, not having any live blanks on a set because uh, from what I've seen, post is cheap and easy. So that's my feeling about it. So you were able to kind of fake the the sparks and, and the... Yep. That's great. Our guy Matt just killed it. It was just amazing. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. We just, our post guy, uh, Ryan... Just was like, yeah, I got a guy who can do this, and he and he did it. And we'd look at it, and we're like, ah, it's got to be a little less bright, or it's got to be a little, you know, whatever. And the guy just would make the adjustment, and it was affordable, and it was safe, and um, yeah, nobody got hurt. Oh, I mean, we that's all lost 15, 
pounds because it was 95 degrees where we were shooting and it was tough enough already. <laughs> so, How long did you shoot for? It was like two weeks? Just, yeah, 20 days. 20 days. Wow. It was brutal. It was hot. So how long did it take uh, in the, the pre-production time? So like you were doing the casting. Were you going to this? It was, it was called like Lockport or something? <clears throat> Lockport, yes. Yeah. So my friend, one of my best friends in my script consultant, John Laflamboy, who mm-hmm. owns this place called Hell's Gate. It's mm-hmm. maybe the coolest haunted house in the country wow. from what I'm gathering. It is amazing. Anybody come to Chicago, you gotta look at you gotta come to Hell's Gate. It's <laughs> you gotta you gotta try to meet John Laflamboy. Uh, what a name. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's one of he's one of a kind. His name, right? It's, you gotta try. All I can say is try to meet John Laflamboy. Yeah, um, and come to his place. And he has this place it's like seventy. I think it must be seventy acres, and that's where we shot. And it was seventy acres of uh, of an old uh, quarry. Wow. On the outside, thirty some miles, thirty five miles, just southwest of Chicago, mm-hmm. and he has a house and he has a paintball uh sort of like place and and it also like is beautiful as you saw so um you know if you can avoid the occasional barge that comes by and like honks its awful you know horn or uh yeah you know it's it's a great location i think hell's gate i think hbo shot something there the summer so yeah so it's it's one of those places like within 30 40 miles of of the center of chicago that is uh, becoming like uh, an interesting place for people more more common place for for film play uh, productions to shoot so you use that location to to uh to as a as the city as the the little town like that became yeah. the little town yeah and the mayor's super you... cool <laughs> He's yeah, great. and so John Laflamboy, because he's your friend. Yeah. So, was it free? Did you have to? No, it was not free. Oh, okay. But almost. <laughs> but but still, like that's was, a huge was, chunk of land to have use of. Yeah, it was it was damn. Ne- I mean, he gave us a a a great discount. Yeah. And what that was valued at. So he became a producer, Justin. And and he has this amazing um, facility. So we were all able to sort of like be in this air-conditioned, awesome place that's the sort of backstage of a huge haunted house. And it was fun. And then and then when he got bored, he would just be like, and, you know, spirits need to be lifted. He's like, let me give you a tour of the scariest thing in the world. <laughs> Take him through the haunted house. Was, was that him. the grandfather's house or no? No, grandfather's house was somewhere else in the town, but oh, okay. just kind of where we hung out and where people slept, they had they had the opportunity to go home, and a lot of them just decided to sleep at the haunted house. Wow! Did they see anything? Mm, you have to ask them. I don't know. I mean, they might have seen things. I they haven't told me, um, but I I know they had a lot of fun. Uh, hanging out there for the most part yeah wow okay yeah it was great john the flamboy john the flamboy what a what a name what a man what a house oh (laughs) okay so um you have this movie it came out in early december how can people see it uh we're waiting to see where it's going to be distributed because you did the festival circuit already we're just starting. Yeah, we just started in uh, like November. Uh-huh. Its first, uh, fest was at Dances with Films mm-hmm. in New York, which was a tremendous uh, success and great. And so we are now in uh, Milan, Buenos Aires. Wow. Um, yeah, we've been in a bunch. Like, you know what's interesting is that um, I'm not sure how we'll do in America, but man, foreign countries are starting to eat it up it's really interesting that's awesome it's It's a very intimate it's very american um i i mean we're we're kind of in this space where we 
we watch, you know, these like big Marvel movies. But I actually really enjoyed recently on Netflix, Audrey Plaza's um, Emily the Criminal. Yeah, I love her. Yeah, I love her too. I loved her in, in White Lotus. And yeah, she's great. But that one is sort of like a small movie like yours. Um, and it has like a kind of... Um, was it called like Paul Schrader? Like it has that kind of um, vibe to it. And it's about a woman who um, becomes basically, she becomes a criminal because she needs money to pay for her student loans. And then it, and it just uh, snowballs from there. And so your movie kind of in, in the, in the intimate uh, slice of life sort of way reminds me of, of, of this movie too like I could I could see it having a home on like a Netflix on a on a streamer where you're watching it um it's a really good movie like I think you did a thank great you. job yeah thank you yeah, I think it's I think thank you so much yeah I do think it, it's got a it's got a sensational title it's got a very black and white title and 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 when you turn it on you got to be ready for uh, some serious gray area you know? Yeah. And if, and if you're ready for that, then that's it's going to be a great movie for you. Get ready um, for some some gray area, you freaking yeah, libtards. Yeah, it's noir. It's rural noir. <laughs> I think. It, yeah. I was like, Buddy quoted that. He's like, I think this is rural noir. I'm like, oh, that's. A, I kind of agree with that. No, that's it's a very it's a very sexy <laughs> like yeah rural noir thriller. Um, you you get a sense of it right away that like there's. It, country there's a thriller aspect to it um there's something dark to it so yeah for sure well thank yeah. you like so that. so okay so you're figuring out um you're, you're in the festival circuit right now um once once that um settles then it'll have a home somewhere um yeah i just don't know like i would say you know just keep your eye on facebook instagram or mossman films i'll have something something will be out there i'm kind of you know i'm i personally pretty sucky at the uh at the social media but you know it'll be out like you could find anything like if you look up john mossman director or good guy with the gun uh the movie you'll find out where we're where we're at so we we are on facebook we are on instagram and and hopefully soon i make a real we are really early in our fest run mm -hmm. um we've only one in-person um, screening and that was done like when we were just barely just barely finished with the movie in fact we weren't finished it we got it in in the nick of time so oh wow kind of like yeah everything's a little like it's pretty exciting because um, we just finished the movie like a month ago or three weeks ago and it just screened like right before we finished it so we're kind of seeing how the world's reacting to it so it's um, it's, it's really interesting and I really Love the questions that you asked because it's it's very much revealing to me, um, like a, a, a very interesting perspective and something I didn't expect. It's like how it's being perceived. So, yeah, yeah. thank you for your very thoughtful um, questions and ideas mm -hmm. on it. No problem. What's making you happy these days? It's Christmas. Oh, and you um, you live with the Queen of Christmas. I live with the Queen of Christmas. Too much Christmas. There's just too <laughs> Christmas. Don't tell anyone. Oh, uh, we won't tell. We won't tell. Shh. We'll keep it quiet. Um, we won't tell the queen. Me, uh, my dog is so old, and she's like, she's the best dog in the world. What's her name? Sydney. Sydney. And she's nice. like fifteen. Yeah, and I don't know how much longer she has. Aww. It's like one of those things that I'm just, I'm just enjoying her. She's just like sleeping with me, and I'm, I'm enjoying my dog, which is funny. She's like been the best dog. My son is moving out to the sort of western burbs of Chicago. I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm. Why? Because you can visit him out there, or, or why? Why the so, western? Yeah, he's, he's moved really. He's moved really close to my favorite music club. So I've already told him we had Fitzgerald's. We're going to go to Fitzgerald's and see some Americana, like some really great music. But oh, I think cool. I, I, I just, I like, I like, um, 
I'm reading some really interesting things. I think I'm going to have a, a great next five or 10 years. I feel like, um, this was, wood. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. I'm as long as I don't get killed by some of the dudes that hate <laughs> Oh no. Let's let's not no 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 let's not no. invoke that no yeah, I just yeah, feel no, really, really no. hopeful yeah I think things are going to be great I I I feel good about some of the scripts I have you know what I feel really good about my tribe Colette I feel like I've got a group of people around me who um, I trust who inspire me who trust me who I like being led by or leading you know how it yeah. is sometimes. Like you have to be a leader sometimes and that's your job. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to be a follower and that's your job. And I love doing both with this group of people. I think I found a really group, really good group of people to, to be a, a part of. And I'm extremely grateful for that. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's something to be very grateful for at this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially as we, we go into uh, 2023 and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll, uh, you know, you were talking about fascism earlier, and uh, you know, that's always uh, that's the the dark cloud. That's the the rural noir thriller in our in our life right now. So, so yes, um, you know, we have to continue to to fight against that. So, yeah, I, but you know I what? Appreciate you. Together, there is nothing that can stop us if we stick together and, and move together as 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 the both individualistic but um righteous group that i know that we are that the majority of us are we're we're going to come through this fine we just have to we just have to believe and keep moving forward we're going to do it yes all right on we that will. note i'm going to leave you this has been amazing thank you so much um I, this was wonderful yeah i'm glad I'm glad. So thank you. I'm going to sign off. Um, okay, bye. Wait, wait. So we'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>